Does it mess up your audio? It messes it up every <laughs> single time. How does it how does it mess it up? Wouldn't you like to know? Welcome to Go Additive, where your hosts combine their real-world professional 3D printing experience to deliver valuable opinions that will help you peer behind the curtain of the additive industry. And now, Go Engineer's own, Tyler Reed and Tate Brown. You just ha- you just had to go and do it, didn't you? Yeah, <laughs> you bet. I love how we rolled into oh. this room and started recording almost immediately. We're ready to go. I don't feel that ready, but we're going, so let's do it. That song hits different at the end of the day. I it's I better agree. in the morning. I think. Oh, really? You I think, think so? it. Yeah, I think it's got a morning feel to it. Okay, I can see that. Not a Friday afternoon feel? Uh, maybe. I don't know. We'd have to ask the listeners. Just depends on your outlook. No pun intended. <laughs> as my as an email comes flying in. Making I'm not the that old, sharp. The cl- I oh. wish I could take credit. That would have been incredible. Well, maybe maybe it was sub- subliminal, you know. Yeah. My, my, uh, my animal mind works faster than my human mind. Please. <laughs> No, but the song definitely has a morning vibe to me. I don't know. Chime in, listeners. It's always a choice. Is it? I tr- I chose happiness Yeah. when I listened to that just now, and I yeah. chose productivity, and I chose readiness, like a Boy Scout. Yeah. See? It's easy. Everything's easier when you choose. Do a good term daily. Ooh. Term? I think that's how, that, I think that's how the Boy Scout- A good term? I think so. Do a good term or turn- the Boy Scout motto is be prepared. Yeah. Turn daily. Yeah. Do a good turn daily. Term daily doesn't make any sense. It's the old Scout slogan. Scout slogan. It's part, it, well, it's part of the Boy Scout motto. Okay. The, be prepared is like the ultimate. Is it the slogan? Because I, I do think that those are two different things. The Scout slogan and the Scout motto are two different things. The Boy Scout motto is to be prepared. Okay. Yep. The Boy Scout oath Oh, a scout is trustworthy, loyal, helpful, friendly, courteous, kind, obedient, cheerful, brave, clean, and reverent. Oh, wow. <laughs> really? Pure. Were you a Weeblo? I was an Eagle Scout. You were? I was never a Weeblo. Wow. I was an Eagle Scout, though. I never I'm looking did, at I never a did, true American did, hero. I never did Cub Scouts. You're like a bald eagle. <laughs> so majestic. <laughs> We're going to have to delete this episode. No, we're not. It's a fr- No, we're not. <laughs> it's a Friday, everybody. Did you Thank like you for listening. Eagle call? Yeah, that was beautiful. <laughs> um, <laughs> wow. That's so, what a great start. So seriously, it just shows the power of repetition, right? What? Like, you, that is ingrained in my eagle? brain. No. This, oh, sure. Yeah. It's ingrained in my brain. Well, you have a particularly well-crafted the memory. Fir- the first two minutes and 30 seconds of last week's episode m- would disagree with you. Eh, that was just a little morning fog, let's call it. Yeah, let's call it that. This, we're sharp, it's Friday, we are ready to go, and for the first time in a long time, we've done two consecutive pods in a relatively short amount of time. Yeah, within a week. 
And I today am going to help us keep an old promise. Oh, how so? I listened back to an episode for the first time in a long time. Yeah. Because I used to be probably overly critical. I'd listen too much. Um, in the very beginning stages, I'd overanalyze yeah. and whatever. Now, now we kind of have somewhat of a flow. We know what to expect. And But I did want to see, hey, it's been a long time, so I've had that separation. Let okay. me listen and see if there's been any improvement. Yeah. And it just so happened I listened to an episode where we made a promise to the listeners that we didn't keep last episode. Mm, sounds made up. No. <laughs> you were going to tell us a story. Okay. This was on our Cat Heroes episode. <clears throat> episode 36. That feels so long ago, but I think that was only two episodes ago. Yeah, it's episode 38 today. Okay. Cad Heroes. I do remember this topic, and I believe I thought that Cad Heroes didn't exist. Is that true? Yeah, and I said they did. Okay. This is where we talked yeah. about uh, Orange County Choppers. Yes. Um, with Paul Sr. And, yeah. and Junior and the feuds and yeah. Jason. Jason. Jason was one Jason of the Pol. TV CAD heroes that I okay yeah yeah I yeah. looked up to and I was like oh yeah he's I using think you it. swung me over to your side I think I did but ultimately <laughs> you you thought of these TV personalities and it reminded you of someone okay that called in that's right to you and you were going to tell us about that now we're totally separated and we haven't we don't even know why do you remember why you were going to tell us that story. I remember the conversation. Okay, let's hear it. So we were talking about Orange County Choppers, yes. right? which reminded me of West Coast Choppers, mm -hmm. which was Jesse James's motorcycle shop, Yeah, right? And, and like, do you was remember, it the precursor to Monster Garage? Yeah. Remember that one? I was just going to ask, do you remember Monster Garage? Remember the 200 mile an hour street sweeper? <laughs> okay, so Monster Garage, I remember as a so show. So cool. And I remember watching many episodes. I could not tell you about one vehicle. I remember more pimp your ride vehicles <laughs> than I do Monster Garage. <laughs> let's not get there. <laughs> let's not even go there. But I do remember one more. Okay. Of the Monster Garage vehicles, it was a Pikes Peak Chevy Blazer, like an 80s Blazer, like the that old square body. Rad. Yeah, it was lowered. You know, that was the, my first intro to like the tech in Camber and Caster because he actually really? taught. Yeah, he talked about how they tilt the tires out because under load in a corner, the tire actually folds under the wheel a little bit. And that's why you have that negative camber to yeah. square up the wheel in hard cornering. And I yeah. was like, whoa, technology. Yeah. And Jesse James is smart. Like he's not just building these stupid monster trucks. Like he's making things with purpose now. And I don't remember how they did in that race, but they did race it at Pikes Peak. And this was like pre full huh. asphalt days when it was like partial yeah. dirt, part asphalt. Cool. So cool. Anyway, never, sorry. Yeah, I've never really been able to wrap my head fully around him as a person. And I think social media changes some things, right? Because you see, when you when you watch Monster Garage, you're He's watching- He's an enigma. You're watching a highly produced, you know, yeah. TV piece that Lots has a lot of- editing. And a lot of editing, but a lot of input, you know? And then you get someone like that on social media, you see a different, different side of them. What's he like in social media? Um- 
You know, I would say he's a little bit polarizing. <laughs> okay. <laughs> but not too bad. But I would, I like a lot of his work. I think he makes some beautiful handguns that are all hand carved, amazing stuff. And as you were talking, I was thinking, man, if he had a printer, it'd be amazing. But then on the other hand, it's like, no, his skill is in the handwork. Reshaping metal. Yeah. I also think that I really appreciate his love for old iron metalworking tools. He has an awesome shop full of heavy, heavy hammers and all sorts of metal shaping and sheet metal shaping tools, all really heavy World War II era stuff. It's cool. Yeah. So I talked to him on the phone um, once or twice about getting cam works into his shop, uh, our, our cam tool, mm -hmm. our CNC tool. And I was trying to set him up with a sponsorship, uh, cause he, it came in like, just as anyone else, like, you know, we get a call in, Hey, you know, I'm interested in this. What can you offer? What, tell me more about the software, show me a demo of it. Cetera, How did he hear about us? I don't remember. Dang. I don't remember that, but it was really eerie talking to him over the phone and like recognizing his voice. And this was before Zoom and everything was uh -huh. a thing because this was probably uh, nine years ago, something like that. And he's talking to you. Yeah, it was just a one-on-one -on -one phone call. That's so wild. And we're just talking about the software and like the advantages, the disadvantages, what it can do, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And even at that time, I was like, man, it's so important we get we get our tool in his shop for, for so many reasons. Right. And I don't think we ended up getting, getting him camworks, but I don't think he actually ever used it. You're <laughs> kidding me. I'm not, I'm not. And it's actually really unusual. You would never suspect that companies do this, but they will get tools that they never use hardware, software. It definitely happens. What a waste. Well, a big part of it is, it's, you don't gain access to a tool just by writing a check. Does that make sense? Like, what I mean is you don't gain access to 3D printers by writing a PO. You gain access to 3D printers by learning how they work, going through some training on the software, actually putting effort into making them work. And any software, any other tool is just like that, right? We probably have tools, each of us, that we bought at the tool store, <laughs> at the tool store that we've never used. I don't, or, I don't do that. You are more guilty of that than I am. Am I, am I just trying to rope you into my reality? Um, no, I mean, it, it, it definitely happens, but there's tools that it's like my mom buying me a tool set that I'll never use because it doesn't fit any of my applications, but she thought it looked cute yeah. in the store and it, and do it. Oh, my son likes tools. <laughs> yeah. Okay. I get that. You know but what I mean? Never, have you ever bought a tool where you think this is going to be perfect and it may be a more specialized tool and then you go to set it up and you're like, man, that actually took a lot more work to set up. And so in the future, you try to avoid using that tool. Oh my gosh. Yes. Actually, I have one on. Should I talk about one right now? Sure. Just popped right into mine. Sure. It's actually listed for sale right now. Oh yeah. It's on uh, the old uh, classifieds here. Yeah. 
but it's a tube notcher. I was going, you just got the tube notcher. This is a different tube notcher. Okay, got it. I got a more industrial use, bigger needle bearings, like yeah. a legit, it's going to have way less chatter. So it's a, a whole a whole saw style tube notcher. So mm -hmm. all you're doing is putting a hole saw on the end of a big, uh, like one inch shaft, one inch diameter shaft. This is your new one. Uh-huh. And yeah. you put a hand drill on it and you basically clamp up a tube and shh, you hole saw right through it and it in, creates a perfect little fish mouth. The key to that tool is like the fixturing and the bearing, right? Rigidity. Yeah. Rigidity. Purely rigidity, right? Like no slop. Yeah. I bought like this cheap hazard fart edition um, hole saw and I modified it. I, I made it a little stiffer and I made it so that it could do higher angles. I did some cool little tweaks to it, but ultimately, well, it... It got to the point where there was just too much chatter. It just, I did try to avoid it yeah. because it's like, it was useful in some instances, but ultimately I'm like, man, I could, I could cut this tube and hand shape a nice fish mouth yeah, faster than I could get that in my drill press and set up and, and made. That's definitely in the same vein as to what I'm talking about. And this, that's a topic we've talked about in the past in the terms of 3d printers too, cause like. It's very easy to get into a printer that you think is going to solve all your problems and ultimately doesn't and sometimes creates some more problems, unexpected problems. And hopefully your takeaway is like, hey, uh, I just underbought or I didn't buy the right tool. Yeah. So this is a, it couldn't have been a better segue. So anyway. It's almost like we planned this. Je Jesse James and I are pretty tight. Just, that's just FYI. So that's the deal. He called you. That's what you were going to tell <laughs> us. But I swear you, there was a funnier story behind it. Uh, no. Can no. you share any details? I actually have a funny story about him I, that I'm not going to tell too many details of because it could get people. <clears throat> eh, it wouldn't, but can should I just... I'm going to go for it. Go for it. I have no idea what you're talking about. It's not that crazy. Uh, as you know, Jesse James is a firearms junkie and loves that. A friend of mine who worked for another 3D printing company was also, it, it's funny that he's talked to so many people I know. Yeah. I'm waiting for my call, but. Just, just call him. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Just, just reach out. So he calls my buddy and he's like, hey, uh, I'm looking into some metal technology. What do you have? can you partner with us or can you um, sell us a machine? So they start working on applications, whatever, and then people within the company catch wind that it's for firearms mm. and they shut the whole thing down. Yeah, No machine for Jesse James. Yeah. So he definitely wanted to make some firearms parts, which has always been kind of sketchy. And we've talked about this in, do we have any Suckboy Tony episodes? <laughs> can, you we, think of, can you think of the title? I. Honestly, we've got a few firearms episodes. We do. Um, and I remember talking about this a bit. I can't, I don't know our discography <laughs> well enough to like point to a specific episode, but you're right. Firearm companies have been really hungry for additive and especially with metal. It's been really difficult because one, no one wants the, they're concerned about liability mm -hmm. and also they're concerned about accidentally breaking the law. You know what I mean? 
Absolutely. Like there's a lot of uncertainty about um, FFL requirements and people don't want to accidentally uh, come under uh, fire from ATF. This, this past week was SHOT Show in Vegas. Do you know SHOT Show? SHOT Show is no. a big firearm industry uh, conference, trade show. Okay. And one of our guys was down there prospecting and dude, they are all hungry for metal AM, metal AM. So at this point, my curiosity is why OEMs are kind of nervous just because they're, you know, for example, like a lathe manufacturer yeah. or a gun barrel lathe manufacturing, it's, it's a little different than a sure. traditional lathe. The tooling's way longer and whatever. It's specialized. They're not coming under fire. Sure. For building tools that build guns. So why 3D printers? Because no one gives a beep about people making stuff on a lathe. Like you should put an actual beep yeah. over that. When is the last time you saw an article where it was like, gun manufacturer makes part on lathe? Never. But that makes the news just by the fact that someone something is 3D printed, it becomes news, newsworthy. So add on. Are we talking cancel culture now? Mm, fear, of, fear of being canceled because... Negative press, yeah, for sure. So old school technologies don't have to worry about negative press is what you're saying. No, they're insulated from it. That's some horse pucky. It, it's true though. Hmm. I, I don't disagree. I just think that's interesting. It's kind of a double standard. Yeah, I agree. I agree. And um, people should be able to access tools freely that's my opinion it's just like knowledge i think yeah. the same thing like if someone wants to read a book they should be able to read a book i think regardless the, of what it's about i think maybe there's a little bit of nuance too because we right now in this moment are talking about metal additive tools being used for production firearms which puts it pretty much in line with okay it was made on a milling machine or it's made on a lathe whatever it's not that newsworthy but people often refer to 3D printed guns in terms of plastic 3D printed guns, which there's this undertone of making your own guns and subverting, mm. subverting the legal avenues of obtaining guns. And so there's this undertone of you're doing something sneaky and you're doing something that is- Unregulated. Unregulated and enabled by the printer man that's, that's so that's so but that's interesting why, that's why it becomes a a topic but of these conversation. things can happen anyway these things sure. like like you said they can happen with traditional tools yeah i mean yeah we saw suck boy tony make th like actual 3d printed plastic yeah guns with like pipe like yeah like pipe that you'd buy at the hardware store as barreling and right and, right hmm yeah, it's a it's a tough dance. Like even just this talk, mm -hmm. it's like, eh, yeah, you, it's easier to just put your hands up and be like, we're not going to deal with that. Right? Did you know that Solid Concepts came out and they they printed a 1911? No. Yeah, and it looked rad. <laughs> this was before Stratasys bought them, because after Stratasys bought them, no you're more. Not, you're not going to see that. Yeah. But that was like a homegrown Texas 
service bureau. So yeah, you're going to see that. Yeah, I don't. This is a tough situation. I do. I do feel like if people have the money, if you can pay to play, so to speak. Now, I'm not saying you should be able to pay your way around laws or anything like that. I still think there's a legal avenue for people who custom make anything yeah. that's regulated. Um, I'm not s- suggesting people bypass that, but I do think that, you know, I hope more OEMs and I, I'm, you know, I, I should say this like right out the gate, like I'm not pro gun and I'm not anti gun. I sit pretty squarely in the middle and I, I just think people should be able to make things. I'm pro I'm pro making. Yeah. And people can do that legally now. Well, but I just hope but that it's for personal use. You can't commercialize it without a license. Yeah. Well, I guess what I'm saying is I hope I, I hope that soon or someday that an OEM will say, we encourage people to make what they want to make through all legal avenues. Yeah. You know, but but make what you want to make. Yeah. And I understand it's not that simple. That's a gross oversimplification, but yeah. I hope something like that can happen. It's tough. I think people are afraid of this uh, scenario where, ooh, you download a blueprint and you press a button and suddenly you have a fully working deadly weapon. Yeah, but um, we know better. Yeah, we know better for sure. And I, so I will say that, um, you know, all the big firearm companies are dabbling in, in AM and they want to do it more, there is a real push to to make, you know, binder jetting, for example, would be a great fit for firearm companies. Um, laser sintering is a great fit for certain components like suppressors, very complex components. So it's coming in and it's, at this point, it's the technology's proven out. A lot of it's just an economic uh, challenge. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> I want to talk a little bit about um, an article that I saw. Okay. That was written by you. Oh, shoot. Really? So, <laughs> yeah. I didn't know that you were this, uh, a published, you know, we talked about the blog last week. Yeah. This is not our blog. So no. it's easy for me to get published on our website. Yeah. But you got published elsewhere. Yeah, that's true. Where? What is the website? You don't know? <laughs> Engineersrule.com. That's right. Like that. Yeah. Engineersrule.com. Engineersrule. And what was the article called? Uh, rewarding design, right? Oh, why are you questioning me? Because <laughs> this why got, are you questioning? Because this got published six months ago, and uh, I didn't know it. Oh, this is a six-month-old deal. Yeah. The reason I thought it was important to bring up, and I do want to get your highlight analysis of it, just yeah. so you can give people kind of a synopsis or a quick reason to look at it. My reason to look at it's not going to be the same as yours. Okay. Mine is very simple. It shows a picture of the floating beach yes. award yes. that we have talked about so many <laughs> times that I've teased we, Tyler about. <laughs> and it actually gives like a walkthrough of how he made it. And there yeah. are very clear pictures of the floating beach. So For, please visit the website <laughs> so that you can see the floating beach. This is, this is where our longtime OG listeners who have been <laughs> waiting for the payout when we talked about this a a year ago, a year ago, last January. And we said, oh yeah, we'll, we'll show some images of it soon. You can finally find images of that award and a bit of a walkthrough. Did you actually read the article? I did. Really? Mm -hmm. Can you, can you tell me like 
what you thought of it? Because I was pretty apprehensive about submitting that. I thought it was a fun read. Honestly. A little different? I, yeah, I thought it was really fun. Basically, if I were to give my hot take on it, it is, it's not even a hot take. But you're you're talking about creating art with a SolidWorks tool, which is not a traditionally used art tool, but kind of the expansion of your mind and opening your mind to new possibilities and um, thinking outside the box is, yeah. is really the main gist of the story. Yeah. Am I, am I on or do, would you, what was your idea? What did you want to convey to listeners or I mean readers? That's pretty spot on. You know, I wanted to encourage people to use their CAD tools as uh, tools for art because I think art is under-respected for its ability to grow our skill sets, grow our confidence, grow our, you know, abilities and um, beings as a person. So, yeah, I was, um, I submitted that to, to them and I never heard back. And I was like, man, they must, they <laughs> must not have liked it. And so I just never followed up. And then I finally did this past week and they're like, oh yeah, we love that. Here's the link to it. I was like, oh. I can't, so I'm using the search tool. Yeah. On engineersrule.com. Uh-huh. And I can't actually find it very easily with the keywords. Really? That I'm using. Um, but I'll give you a cheat code for those that want to listen to it. And we'll put a link, right? The cheat code in life is never search within a website. Go to Google, add the website name, and then use the keywords. It's I hate that that's the truth. It is the truth. Even though a lot of their search engines are powered by Google. Yeah. Um, so that the title is rewarding design SolidWorks as a creative tool. And it's got a nice little picture of one of the dudes that you designed a character, Gary, Gary, Yeah, Gary, he's on the front page and it's got actually some of your awards. What I really liked was that you were open enough to put your very first design from yeah. 2014, which is nothing more than kind of a medallion yeah. with a little hook uh -huh. for putting like a, a, a neck piece yeah. or something like that. It's so basic. The 2020 is far superior yeah. in every way, yeah. minus the fact the beach is <laughs> hovering it, in thin water. It's like mist. <laughs> what? Do you, do you remember that game? No. <laughs> it's a, so the, I just want everyone that, that is curious why I make fun of Tyler whenever I can. He doesn't make very many mistakes. But you've got to see this floating beach. It's not a mistake. Oh, I know it's you, not. But. Did you not play uh, <laughs> Mist on Windows 95? <laughs> no, I played like Doom and scared the heck out of myself. Oh, yeah, Doom. No, I didn't play many. I, I wasn't a gamer. Yeah. I, I, we've talked about this. Yeah, that's true. I forgot. I had a childhood, a real one. <laughs> Must have been nice. <laughs> okay. You make me feel bad for it. So we, we kind of got onto the topic a little too early. It would have been a perfect segue, but we did talk a little bit about tools. Yeah. And that kind of got me thinking about our entire theme of this episode, which is going to be tools. Tools. Could and you call it a time for tools? Tool time <laughs> with Tate and Tyler Reed. <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh, oh. Yeah, so... 
if you're not old enough, you're not going to get that. But that was a little home improvement throwback. Tim the Toolman Taylor. Classic. Oh, so good. And Al Borland. Who's Al? Are, am I Al or are you Al? I'm JTT. Oh my gosh. Whatever. <laughs> All right. So let's not get too, too far down this road. What I wanted to talk about was kind of some personal projects that made me think of some, um, what would you call it? Some analogies that happen to us in the additive world pretty often. Okay. And I'm just talking purely in the terms of tools. So I've been on a tool addiction, crazed tool buyer lately. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Now, I'm just like the next guy. I don't like to spend too much money on tools, but I will spend money on good hand tools. But if it's something new that I've never used before, I'm not going to buy the Ingersoll Rand version when there's a hazard fart version for 24 bucks. Yeah. You know, 10% of the cost. Yeah, because like we said, some tools in theory work well, but in practice don't work well. And it sometimes it's not even the tools problem. It's like that tool should, that tool category should have never been created. Like what? What are you thinking of? Uh, like a lot of little marking tools, like specialized layout tools should never, had never been created. Like what? I don't know. You're putting me on the spot. I'm sorry. I didn't mean to. I'm just trying to have a very natural conversation here. I know. It's not pre-planned. Uh, yeah, please stop. <laughs> <laughs> so Tyler needs to to be set up. It's like T-ball. Yeah. And you're just standing there ready to crank one out of the yeah. park. I mean, okay, let me actually put some thought to it. Okay. Because I'll think- let you think about it. Okay, okay. Think about it and we'll come back to it because okay. I, you had suggested I'm working on this old Bronco, but not old enough to be cool. It's a 1995. So when it, I always let people down when I tell them it's a 95, cause they are hoping that I'm going to say like it's a 78 or something, but I'm working on this old Bronco. And of course, you know, being that it lived most of its life in Utah, it's rusty. You had suggested a needle scaler yeah. to me as a tool to get rid of the rust on the frame. And I'm like, man, that would take forever. What is that thing? You know, I didn't really know what a needle scaler even was. And I went and bought one the other day because I'm like, this could maybe work. Like Tyler, Tyler's right. I liked how I said, okay, well, I'll bring one in and you couldn't wait. You're like, I just got to get it. Well, I actually have a ton of momentum with the project right now. I've been working on it every night for the last while. Plus it's taking up my garage space and I'd rather have my daily driver in there. So I... I bought this tool. It was like 25 bucks from Harbor Freight, which if you're not, I I think it's like Princess Auto if you're in Canada. It's just one of those cheap tool places. Yeah. I could have spent more money, but I didn't even know how the tool worked. I've never used a needle scaler. I, I don't even know like what they were invented necessarily for, like their exact application. I just know that I've seen YouTube videos and stuff with people using these for the removal of rust. And because I didn't know anything about it, I wasn't willing to invest to to see if like a really nice one was worth it. And you know as well right. as I do, like some cheap tools aren't like the anatomy of the tool is not that much different from an expensive one. So it's not really worth spending the extra money on the really pricey one just for the name. Right? So you probably get where we're going with this already, but 
I want to keep diving down this, this little hole. The other thing I bought was a air hammer. So all these mm-hmm. are pneumatic tools. I have wanted to stay away from like building up too much of an, uh, a pneumatic tool collection, but here I am, I've got a couple tools and I've totally fallen in love. Air hammer, best thing in the world. If you're removing those solid rivets. Now I'm not talking the rivets that they use to hold airplanes together. I'm talking the solid rivets that they use to, um, auto manufacturers have used them forever to fasten cross members to the frame rails on vehicles. Now this is mostly body on frame stuff, but a good air hammer will knock those heads right off. Insane. Boink. Old me was sitting under my truck, (laughs) drilling for hours, doling bits out, wearing my triceps (laughs) out, pushing as hard as I could into these rivet heads, trying to drill them out. And oh, I got them. But had I known this air hammer existed then, yeah, I don't care what it would have cost. I would have spent the money. And these air hammers are like 15 bucks. <sighs> but knowing now what I know, having suffered in the past, I'm very, very grateful to finally have a good tool that was built for the application. So the reason I bring that up is because I feel like printers are basically the exact same. And this may be an unpopular opinion, especially where we sell high-end systems here. Sometimes it's not right. You know what I mean? Like there are going to be times where, I don't know, like I have a list here of reasons why and why not to use a cheap tool. And I'm not just talking printers, but just the reasons I buy a tool from Hazard Fart as Can you not even say the the name? Harbor Freight. You know where I got that from? AVE? Yeah. The the <laughs> AVE YouTube channel, he actually does a review on a needle scaler, the exact same one I have. And it's so funny. I just love his terms. But the reason why I would buy a cheap tool, um, first of all. Why you w- would? Would. Okay. We know you, you kind of have a choice when buying tools. You either buy cheap or you buy good, but you can't have both. Yes. Right? So one of the reasons why I would spend the money on a cheap tool is because it helps me fail faster. It helps me learn the workflow like that needle scaler. I had no clue how long it was going to take because we had talked about that. Like, is it going to take me 10 years to clean up my frame? Right. Because if it works super slow, if it's slower than like an angle grinder, I don't want to do it. Right. But it's way more effective. So it actually is far speedier than an angle grinder. Um, but yeah, it helps me figure out the workflow and low cost to, to entry. Like I can afford it and it's, if it doesn't work, if it totally fails, it's not too much of a loss for me. Right. So that's one of the main reasons why I would, can you think of any reasons like why you would? Um, oftentimes I'll be willing to buy a cheaper tool knowing that it may not work if I feel like it's worth the, it's like a hedge. It's like a hedge against buying the more expensive tool. I feel like it (laughs) it might, it might. You would think of it this way. Yeah, it might be used as a proof of concept. Like, okay, it got me past this immediate need and I start to see the value in something that's better. Okay. Um, That would be a tool that like, I don't expect it to last long. You know, 
oftentimes I buy cheap tools just thinking, okay, well, I could buy three of these and I could replace three of these um, before I am underwater for the, the more expensive one. Right. And say you're, you're only going to do one a year, so you're going right. to break three in your entire ownership of whatever it is you're working on. Right. And so, yeah, I, I, that's one of my uh, lists here, especially like if, or one of my list items, I, a lot of times I'll buy a cheap tool because it's budgeted to the job, for example. Yeah. Even if it's just mentally budgeted to the job, yeah, 15 bucks right. or 300 bucks, whatever it might be, like that's a small price to pay in, you know, the overall cost of this job. I'm willing to allocate this tool specifically to sure. this job. And if I get any more years of use out of it beyond that, it's a bonus. Yeah. But there's also certain aspects, and this is probably jumping ahead, but there's certain features that I know are expensive to do right. And so I would never buy a cheap version of that, like a battery powered tool, for example. So I know that the battery power is expensive to do right. Mm -hmm. And so I know that I would be setting myself up for disappointment if I bought a cheap battery powered tool. And certainly there's printing aspects to that as well, like an enclosed, like a heated enclosure, for example. Yeah. Well, and I mean, cheap tools aren't, are, are cheap for a reason. It's not like they're built the yeah. exact same way right. all the time. And that's one of the great things about AVE's channel is he'll break down these tools and show you like, this is cheaper for this reason. Like yes. they're using powdered metal or press and sintered metal for this gear. So the mechanical properties are not up, up to par compared to a forged gear. So that's where they saved cost. A hundred percent. And that's what I liked about this little needle scaler video he did. <clears throat> Even if you're not interested in a needle scaler, I still recommend watching this video because it's one of his shorter ones yeah. where you can get his personality. Yeah. <laughs> There's some mild language in there. So um, it is so funny though, but he does. He gives good analysis and he basically, he tears this tool apart, right? And I mean that figuratively and literally. He goes in there, he does a tear down. He's like, man, th these, these O-rings aren't lubed. You know, these ceiling surfaces are painted that, you know, they didn't even mask anything off when they put this together. Yeah. He, he totally just digs on every bad thing about it, which is basically everything. He puts it back together and uses it and he's like, whoa, this thing's awesome, you know? Yeah. And it works really well. So that's one of those times where it's like, it's okay to buy the cheap tool because it's not mechanically that complex and yeah. it doesn't require super, super tight tolerances, that sort of thing. But like you said about the batteries, tight tolerances aren't right. cheap or good materials right. aren't cheap. And here's the other thing. If, if I was doing work for someone other than myself and that means I have no deadline and I have a higher risk tolerance, for failure and or delays, then I might be more willing to just use a, a cheaper tool. When it, when you're working for yourself yeah. rather than someone else? Yeah, or, but if I'm, if I'm creating something or working on a job that someone's paying me to do, then my risk tolerance is much less. So I'm way more likely to use more professional tools. And it's why the mechanic guys buy, sense. buy tools off the tool truck. It's why they buy Snap-on. They can't right? afford to waste a half a day because their cheap tool broke. Yeah. 
versus you and I, it's not our full-time job. So if it breaks on Friday, we can go buy another one on Saturday and it's really. Right. Right. You need the tool that works. So I did. Hey, I, I did think of some, uh, tools by the way. Oh, you did? Yeah. Okay. Give it to me. I have a few of them. Okay. So I have a, a set of, um, I have this one tool that looks like a dog bone. Okay. And on one end it has like a carousel of sockets and on the other oh end, it has gosh. a carousel this of sockets. so gimmicky already. And it only has like four sockets on each one. How did you get suckered into buying this? Dude, I just came into it, okay? Oh, cool. I didn't buy this, okay. but okay. I would never take that anywhere with me because <laughs> the chances of you it having the You don't right, want to get made fun of? Dude. <laughs> you don't want to get bullied? The one side is like this carousel of four metric sockets and then like four inch sockets. It's like, when would I ever <laughs> rely on this tool? Okay. So there's one. Yeah. Those, okay. those, that shouldn't exist. <laughs> Number two is I have like these, um, like a three eighths inch and a half inch drive, but not a ratchet, but like a, like a finger. Oh yeah. Drive. I have one of those, but not a half inch. It's a quarter inch. <laughs> Probably a quarter inch and a three eighths. Not even a three eighths. Just a small one, mm -hmm. but it's only like a disc. You have one of those? Mine's like a, a knob. It's almost like, it's like a big knob. Yeah. It's like probably you, two inches. You use in that? The, you use oh, that? Oh yeah. All the time. Okay. And when I got it with my kit, just so everyone knows, I use gear wrench, which is the best bang for the buck tool out there. <laughs> it's, it's right middle of the pack. It's not like a snap on or Armstrong tool. So I'm talking better about than something that's like the, yeah. the Gatorade bottle lid. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. It's super handy. Okay. I've never used mine because there are spaces where you can't get the handle of a wrench in there. Yeah. Unless you use like a socket extension or it's often I'll use it when it's the torque requirement is just a little more than what I can hand spin. Yeah. So it's quick to just zip something off. Okay. Yeah. Okay. I have one more. The, <laughs> okay. The that was a miss. The big, the big universal sockets that have like the needles in them, so that they oh can my conform. Gosh. What, the gator grip. Yeah, isn't that what it's yeah. called or something? Or the shark bite. Yeah, that shouldn't exist. Does it work? I, I always wondered. Of the three I just mentioned, that's the only one I have never used because I can't. Oh, imagine, you haven't even tried. I can't imagine that working. Working. Then why did you well. buy it? I've never. I don't have it. Oh, okay. But I'm just talking about tools that okay. shouldn't exist. <laughs> it has to work for someone. But and it, if yeah. it didn't, it worked to make some sales. I guess for non-tool people, gimmicky tools definitely exist that should not exist, and they sell. Yes, I think they sell probably more to non people who have less Buying experience. Them yeah, yeah. Like something my mom would buy for me, like and put it in a stocking or something. Yeah. Like, oh, I thought you'd like this. I saw it. It'll take off it's any bolt. My, my niece gave me um, a wristband that has um, magnets in it. And I was like, I will never use this. But now that I have it, I'm like, sometimes I do use it. If I'm going up on a ladder and I have a handful of nuts and bolts and uh -huh. washers and stuff, I'll just stick them to that no wristband. So you've used it. Yeah, actually, I like it. <laughs> but it looks so dorky. <laughs> you know what that just reminded me of? What? I saw this little uh, a meme with a wiener dog with a jacket. Yeah. And it held wrenches. <laughs> Can you imagine how handy that little guy would be? You could just... <laughs> and yeah. he'd come over and he'd have all the wrenches. Yeah. Kind of like your... That would uh, be awesome. I mean, you have to feed and water him. 
Well, they're basically built for that because they they're have long. they have a lot of surface area without being like a huge dog. Exactly, they're low to the ground, so when you're on your creeper, your creeper. it's just right there. <laughs> they can they can walk under pretty much any car. Or it's truck. like they're bred for it. Yeah, that's what they're <laughs> built for. Um, but yeah, so how obviously that relates to 3D printing is. We see a lot of people that 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 ask us like, "Hey, could could we do this with another printer?" Yeah, the answer is yeah, <clears throat> but it's our job to kind of consult them on. And, and you know, for those of you listening, you don't want a consultant; you want to figure this out for yourself, right? But one of the things you have to think about is all the things that we just listed. You know. Why, why are you buying it? Why is this attractive to you? Sure. Everyone's always attracted to the low price tag, but it's low for a reason. So I think keep that in mind. First and foremost, you can't have cheap and good. You're buying one or the other. So if you're buying cheap, it's not going to produce like a production style system would. And how does that usually work? I mean, we know that printers can just degrade over time and some degrade at a much steeper rate than others. How else? Well, Serviceability? Like, like what's the repercussion of degradation? You know, can you, can you buy uh, replacement parts? Can you, get can you get service, labor, you know, on that? Or is it going to be up to you? Is your tech support done through a forum? you know, or calling a friend, or is it a service technician that just comes out and gets you back up and running? But if you're billing it to a job, for example, kind of like how we talked about before, if you yeah. know it's going to break, like one of the, one of the things why you'd buy something cheap from Harbor Freight is if you have this weird application and you, you need a regular box end wrench that's just bent in the weirdest way yeah, or something. Like you're going to take it home and you're going to put a torch on it and you're going to bend it in that shape and you're going to use it for that one purpose. Right. So I think there are printers out there that like you have a job that you've got to produce several parts for. You know you're going to torture it and abuse it. You can do it with less guilt knowing that it's a low cost machine or experiment right. with it. Or you might go into business saying, hey, I'm going to offer a service for dealing with this problem so no one else has to, and I'm going to buy the expensive tool. I mean, that's that's how companies are formed every day, right? I see a problem that no one else wants to deal with. I'm going to invest and set myself up as that solution. And that's why we see printers like MJF printers going into service bureaus and pumping out thousands of parts per week because they fit a niche. And no one's going, you're not going to get a low cost MJF printer because they don't exist. But even if they did, like the use case for that type of printer doesn't align with the use case of the customer. That's uh, that's an interesting thought. Sorry for the silence. I was thinking, what is the most expensive tool that you own that's justified? That you're <laughs> like, I'm glad. That's very subjective. Is it? Okay. That, like, I'm, that I'm satisfied with. That yeah, I'm glad I bought What's a tool that you know for sure wouldn't have worked with the cheap version, but keeps on working? It, it takes a licking and keeps on ticking. My welders. So you're glad you're glad you spent the money. Yeah, on those hundred percent. And did you buy those new or did you buy them used? I bought them new. That 
I did not. Well, I bought one of mine new, mm -hmm. but there's a lot of peace of mind that probably comes with that because a yeah. welder has a ton of consumables. Kind of yeah, like, a, and it's an intricate, complex piece of equipment, and it does an intricate, complex job that is very tightly process controlled, right? So you have you're, you're if, the weak link in to, yeah <laughs> no, that's what you want I'm, I'm i want to be the weak link right. in it like yeah if you're trying to tig weld i was not trying to, to low blow you're right i know there. it's fine but um if you're trying to tig weld something and you're fighting a machine that is inconsistent what's more for, you might as well not even have the machine especially when you're new to it Yes. Which this relates to 3D printing a ton. For sure. But what's your answer to that question? What's the best thing I have? My tube bender. Okay. Yeah. Because I went the route of trying to go cheap with that. Mm -hmm. And I bought a, a pipe kinker is really what I would call it. It, it. It's built for bending pipe for plumbers. And I thought I could bend um, tube with it for structural components and it just kinks everything. And so you can yeah. you can certainly make good bends on it, but there's all these tricks you got to do. You got to fill the tube with sand. You have to pack it in. You, you get it slightly damp so that you can pack it in with a hammer. And then you kind of slightly heat the material or you can slowly um, bend it at a different rate uh, bend point. You know, so one radius has several bend points. There's all these tricks and people do make good looking tube. On mine, put it in, bolt it down, bend it. It's air over hydraulic, boom. Boom, boom. Best Accurate. money I spent. Yeah. Easily. One of my welders, the MIG welder, I bought as part of a quote unquote contract for my brother. Like he had a bunch of big planter boxes oh, that okay. he wanted made. Yeah. And okay, we negotiated a price and I was like, okay, well, I know I'm gonna get paid this. I'm gonna use a significant chunk of that to buy myself the right welder for the job, knowing that the well, the other welders that I had were not the right thing. It was going to take me much longer mm -hmm. and risked me delivering on time and like satisfying my quote unquote customer, my brother. Mm -hmm. And so I was like, okay, well that's just going to be paid for as part of this job. And then I'm going to have it going on and I can do more work with it. So this is a bonus. This is one of those bonus things where it's, you buy it and any use you get after it is well worth it. It's how a lot of, it's how a lot of companies are run, especially when you're in trade services. I want to hit on that the point we were go the road we were just about to go down though cuz you okay. and I are both amateur welders. Yeah. And it's funny enough my best friend called me this morning and was like, "Hey, I helped him cuz I have a fixture table, thank yep. goodness." Yep. I helped him tack weld his jeep bumper that okay. he's building he bought one of those sheet metal kits yeah, yeah, that yeah. you can get on amazon and it's a sheet metal bumper we tacked it all together made sure it was square and all he has to do is fully weld it out he's never welded anything like for real for real yeah ever and so i was kind of teaching him in my garage and he calls me up this morning he's like dude how do you know your gas is on and i was like well you know check the knob check these things and and it should be good. And he's like, those are all on. Everything's working. It says I have uh, 20 CFH. And I'm like, I, I don't know. Can you can you hear it coming out of the tip? I was helping him troubleshoot it. And I could hear him welding in the background. Yeah. And he'd, he'd put down a little bead and he'd be like, nope, no change. Nothing <laughs> changed. I was like, okay, turn it all off and try and weld. 
and he does it. I was like, does that weld look any different than what you just put down? Yeah. And he called it spongy. You know, yeah. he, he called the other yeah. one spongy. I was like, oh, it's porous. You yeah. Know? And I was like, if it doesn't look any different, then you're you're not getting gas. Is it clean? Yeah, it's clean. I've already done this, that, the other. This goes to your point of troubleshooting these problematic things. It's like you bought it brand new. And for him, he's just, you know, he's going into work on a Friday. They work 410, so he's mm-hmm. off today. And he's going in to use a machine that he doesn't really know. Yeah. Um, and he's not proficient in. He's just going, hoping things work that he can push go, basically. Right. But it doesn't work that way. And if you're not a good welder, you don't know what's going on. Right. To know whether it's you that's messing up or the machine. Right. And I feel like this happens with with uh, 3D printers as well. Like if you For don't, sure. if you're brand new to it, Sometimes not knowing what the heck you're doing can be cause for a long period of troubleshooting, not knowing whether you're the problem right, or the machine is the problem, the tool. Right. So yeah, on a certain level, you buy certainty Yeah, in, in the machine tool. And which is what you did. You, yeah. you got something that was brand new. You knew it was going to work. And it was, I've never owned a, a quote unquote cheap welder because i have a lot of cheap i have a lot of cheap tools but i don't have cheap welders because i just know it's a complex tool well that's why i feel like you're the perfect person to ask both of us have a range of tools we'll spend the money on certain things and other things it's like yeah who cares yeah it's a it's a needle scaler it's going to get abused and beat up and if it breaks after one job right i'll throw it in the garbage can or i'll recycle the metal so I don't know. I, I really think that there are a lot of comparisons here and people just need to make sure that they think of 3D printing. If you're thinking of investing, know your application. Yes. Talk to people who do <clears throat> what you're trying to do or have done it or something similar and trust what they have to say. I think a lot of people, and I'm guilty of this, think I'm the only one dealing with this problem right now. Do you ever fall into that category where you're just like, you're not going to understand because I I know people have done this to me and I'm thinking these buttholes. And when I do it, I'm just thinking I'm the smartest person on the planet and no one else is. So I'm totally (laughs) guilty. But you think, yeah, I'm having these issues, but, you know, this is unique to me. And the reality is like 3D printing, there are a few applications out there that there's one or two people in the world maybe that have done it or are right. doing it, but chances are pretty good that someone can help you make the right decision. Right. So true. Not us. I mean, it depends. I, I'm kidding. It depends. <laughs> yeah, we could help. So do you have a, a YouTube of the day? Yeah. Do you? Uh-huh. While you're going, I'm going to quickly find one. Okay. <laughs> um, you know, Tyler and I like transparency. This guy that I found on YouTube not too long ago is really probably one of the most positive makers, I guess you could call him. He probably wouldn't care if I called him a maker. Some people might view that as derogatory depending on what their skill set is. He's a metal worker, so he's really, really good with metal. And 
one thing about metalworking is a lot of the dudes who are really, really good at it are very, they're aging. And they're a very secretive group. It's kind of like you work really hard for the IP and you basically invent ways to, to shape metal in a very efficient or effective way. And you don't really pass that on to someone unless you think they've put in the work. And I think that's an old school mentality and I, I do understand it and I appreciate it. But this guy, his name is Carl Fisher, Carl with a K. The channel is called Make It Custom with and custom is spelled with a K. And his business is called Japan's Customs. He's half Japanese. And so it's kind of a little, it, it's funny. He has an interesting way to describe it. Um, so before you get all mad about the name, <laughs> take it up with him. Uh, but seriously, seems just like the most genuine person who's willing to pass on knowledge. And I know not all of us, including myself, are not metal shapers out there. But just seeing his ingenuity in his own shop and making cool tools out of, you know, for example, like Harbor Freight tools, he will make, he made a hole punch the other day out of a block of steel. All he did was cut a slit halfway through it with a bandsaw, and then he drilled a hole perpendicular to that slice. And so he can slide a piece of sheet metal in the slot, and then he takes a yeah. hole punch that matches the drill size, Yeah, and he just pops it with a hammer oh. and it makes these perfect little um he uses the sheet metal dots to fill in like little rust holes and things like that on his on his hot rods but just things like that i think he's he's really inventive and whether or not that's an original idea that's by him if he learned it from some old guy he passes it on and he he helps us save the legwork or you know, maybe never not knowing about the tool. Like had I not known it about the needle scaler, for example, yeah, I'd be under my truck making and breathing millions of pounds of rust dust, you know, <laughs> but that needle scaler doesn't create the dust. Yeah. And it's way more effective. What's your YouTube? <clears throat> I actually don't have one, but I do have a category of videos that we kind of did two today anyway, even though the AVE guy is a revisit. Yeah. He's good. That counts, right? I did mention Copenhagen uh, Suborbitals last oh week. Gosh. Check out their YouTube. <laughs> it's so cool. Copenhagen Suborbital. You'll learn a lot about building liquid rockets. <laughs> but, okay, I have a category of YouTube videos I hate. Oh, it's a category? Yeah. You hate? So you're telling, I'm trying to be positive, tell people what to look for, and you're yeah. going to say avoid this. Well, yes. Okay, actually, I got one. Make it extreme. We, you've already shared that. Crap. Okay, I don't have one. But do you ever hate these uh, <laughs> YouTube videos where it's like you see the thumbnail and you can't really tell what it is, and then they, the description or the title is like, you'll never believe what we made from this. Oh, my, I hate this. But the, the content can still be good. Sometimes it's really good, but you, it's pure clickbait because it's like the thumbnail doesn't give you we, enough. We're guilty of this, you know? No, the thumbnail. I have, I have something I'm going to tell you as soon as you're done with this. Oh God. We, we as a team are guilty of this with this podcast. 
<laughs> I, and I learned this today. Did someone say something to you? Go ahead and finish. Okay. We'll, we'll bookmark mine. Okay. Um, but you know the type of video I'm talking about, right? Well, oh, they're like, absolutely. They'll like make a crazy little tool, specialized tool out of something. And you're like, okay, I'm glad I watched this video, but I'm, I hate myself for clicking into it in the first place. Just because, well, because you're like, I didn't even respect my enough, my time enough. It's the all caps, no yellow lettering yeah. thumbnail. Yeah. That's like, you won't believe this simple trick yeah. that I used to catch and 10 pound bass. No, not even that's even, that's too much information. It's like, you oh. won't believe what we made from this. And it's like an image of an old table saw blade or okay. something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then you like hover over it just to see if, okay, what did it make? auto plays yeah. a little bit. What it make? And, and it doesn't show you. And then you click into it anyway. And you're like, <clears throat> and you watch the whole thing. Yeah. So whether you're satisfied by the video or not, you're still mad for having clicked it. I hate that it points out that I don't value my own time. That you're a sucker. <laughs> I should have, I should have had enough self-respect to not click that. Although, well, the, the problem is sometimes it's good stuff. Sometimes it is. So it's worth it. Mm, it's a gamble. All right. So those of you who have landed on this channel by some crazy set of circumstances or events, you <laughs> may have there's scrolled. No, there's no way you could have found it purposely. There, There is a way. <laughs> um, Player FM actually has us pretty high ranked. Really? For a 3D podcast, oh, who, surprisingly. Who they're like one of, <laughs> one of our bigger uh, platforms, but our episode, yeah, uh, let me ask you something. Okay. You do the titles. Yeah. Which are pretty good. Thank you. And honest. I know they're not the best. No, they're, they're, they're pretty descriptive and they, they work. This one in particular was clickbait. And, and I don't think it was intentional. It was not intentional, but I saw the listens that we have on that episode. And I, it is like I know which double, is. triple, quadruple some of our other episodes. I'll guess. Okay. Print 1000X faster. Yep. <laughs> That's the one. And then it's what's even worse is our description has nothing like <laughs> Tate and Tyler talk about this, that, the other today. And, they, and it says nothing about how we tell you to print a thousand times faster. But we do talk about that. Yeah. But we talk about that claim being a click, Beatty claim, don't we? Yeah. Yeah. We basically, we demyth, miss, myth, mythify, demystify. Yeah. The spec sheets. I think that's okay. where we, we talk a little bit about spec sheets and how people make bold claims on speed. Yeah. Yeah. We talk, I think we talk about manufacturers of these printers, like they are totally incentivized to make really bold on reproducible claims but a lot of people have clicked in there thinking oh, tyler and tate that. are gonna help me make more use out of my printer be better than that more throughput <laughs> be better than are that. you saying that to yourself or are you saying that to the people who listen the Whose listeners fault is it? the listeners be better than that no <laughs> it's not your fault that's what i'm telling you it's not your fault for clicking on that episode i'm sorry if it if it let you down this one, Tyler will make a much better title print, for, but... Print 10,000x faster is what this one's going to be named. <laughs> oh my gosh. <laughs> so we'll do a better job of not being clickbaity, especially now that we know it's a pet peeve of Tyler's. But and, yeah. And apparently I'm guilty of it. I thought I I thought it was worth talking about tools today and, and their relationship to 
productivity and whether or not it's worth spending the extra dollar and just get, it sounds dumb, yeah. but just get people that are using regular tools and that have already gone through these thought processes to relate to what these bigger companies are doing. And it's not much different. Yep. That's a good point. And also Jesse James, if you listen to this or if your people listen to this, I deserve a phone call. <laughs> I don't call deserve Tate. it. <laughs> call Tate. Cool. All right. Don't 3D uh, print guns. <laughs> Later. See ya.